a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe. What's up, Josh? And our producer, Steve. Hey, guys. Our guest today is musician and producer Brendan Benson. You may know him from being in one of our favorite rock and roll bands, The Rack and Tours, but I first learned about Brendan in 2002 when he opened for the White Stripes at the Bowery Ballroom here in New York City, which became a truly life-changing concert for me. I'll talk about that later. I had no clue who he was at the time, but I was truly blown away by his set. And for me, I was introduced to Brendan when my cousin and Joe's bandmate Graham played Brendan's 2005 album, The Alternative to Love, on our drive back from a gig in New York City. We ended up listening to most, if not the whole record on our drive, and I was immediately hooked. Within a few months, I had all three of the full-length albums he had released at the time and have been a big fan ever since. To this day, we've been fans of Brendan's music, both solo and with the Tours. When we started the show, Brendan was one of the first people we thought to have on the show, as his love and devotion to his kids is evident in his music and his social media. So it's truly an honor to say, Brendan, welcome to Dad Rocks. Oh, thanks, guys. What a, <clears throat> excuse me, what an intro. Thank you very much for that. Very kind. So first, how have things been for you and your family the last two years? They've been, well, good, I think. I mean, you know, all things considered, they've been, uh, yeah, good. We, we've made some changes, you know. Uh, the main, I, I guess the one big one is homeschooling. So I think that's kind of been a... Well, a blessing and a curse. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's brought us closer together as a family, you know, but also the curse being, you know, you don't get a break. You don't get the nine to three break. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and of course, instead, you get more grief. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, it, and it's difficult, you know, homeschooling. I mean, my kids are 11 and nine. And so just, them being able to focus, trying to focus on things, you know, is I mean, hard I'm enough. a public school teacher, so I totally Ooh. understand what you're saying. And I teach all grades. So, um, you know, I, I can't imagine doing it with my own kids, you know, right. being with them all day as both my kids and my students. I'm a, I'm a big, I mean, I'm a, I'm a proponent, I'd say, but it's tough, you know, and also I should add that I don't, you know, my wife does all the heroic <laughs> stuff. She's, She's the one, you know, figuring out the curriculum and all that. So yeah. I just think it's a, I don't know, I think it's a, it's for certain kids too, like my daughter really thrives with it, you know, like she's learning, yeah, she's learning in leaps and bounds and like, and it's funny, it's ironic because she's the social butterfly, mm. but my son, mm. my son who is very kind of, he's pretty quick witted, pretty, pretty smart to begin with, I think, you know, really needs that social element. We're sending him... He's going back next year, hopefully. You know, he's in need of that. He's also older, so. Yeah. Yeah. He needs that, that teenager time. Totally. Totally. Yeah. He needs to see girls. You know, <laughs> he needs to see what the other dudes have. You know, what they're, yeah. what's going on, mm. and you know. Yep. Totally. I have two similar age kids. So I have a fourteen-year-old son. Ooh. Uh, freshman in high school, and you'll see in about two years when yeah. your son, yeah. it's, a, it's yeah. a big difference from middle school to all of a sudden high school, and you mentioned yeah. girls, and our sons sound a little similar. They're quick-witted, and yeah. they, they think they know everything. <laughs> uh, my daughter is 10 going on 18. <laughs> right, exactly. Also yeah. social that's, butterfly. that's mine too. Yes. Yeah, big time. She, she did also thrive in um, 
homeschooling, but also, you know, now they're, they're both been back at school for a while. Yeah, cool. Here in New Jersey. Same with my family. Definitely brought us closer. You know, we we're home all the time. Yeah. And like you said, it was a blessing and a curse. And I'm just thankful that our kids are not really young because I think that would have been a lot harder yes. know, to deal with, with the homeschooling. They were pretty yeah. self-sufficient, you know, generally. So. Right. That's true. That's very true. It might've been a different story if they were a lot younger. Like but five all, or something. Yeah. Six. And yeah. also the other, um, I forgot to mention the big, the major, one of the major benefits is the scheduling, I think is like, you know, you're able to kind of schedule all yeah. this yourself and, and around you. And I don't know, that's pretty cool. Like the work day even, or, or mm -hmm. you can sometimes we'll take, you know, we've taken some vacations and, and it, right. Yeah, you know, we just have to, or you could like take the homework with you. Yeah, right? sure. Exa exactly. We or do field some trips. You can make field trips and yeah, stuff. Where that's yep. cool. Every that's actually every yeah. day is a field trip. Every yeah. every. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. So when your son was born, your your first child, how how did that change you from you know being a non-parent to a parent and, and changing your whole world? Oh man, we don't have enough minutes. We don't have <laughs> enough time. It's changed. I mean, it changed me immensely continues to change me all the time. I mean, yeah, I think about life before kids. I mean, it, it, it's another me, it's another world, another lifetime, you know. I'm also a musician who's been in a perpetual state of childhood himself. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I think just being in this business kind of keeps you, keeps you like that. I'm not proud of it either. I, I think it's not a, I think it's not a great attribute. And, and you find out, uh, I find that out parenting all the time, like, or just being a parent, having these kids. I'm just reminded of how actually immature I am all the time. <laughs> how, if it's <laughs> but like- But that must feed your music though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of the problem. I think that's, or not the problem, but that's like the, kind of the, re, you know, the reason for it and it's this vicious circle, I think. I mean, right. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, kind of indulging, you know, like indulging your every whim. I think that's a little bit childlike. And I think that's sort of, musicians are kind of classically, right. <laughs> um, that's their lifestyle. So yeah, and having kids, you know, you don't wanna advocate that. I mean, you don't wanna like, you know, be that guy. <laughs> And you don't want them to be that guy. And so, I don't know, it's weird. I have to be very blunt with my kids a lot because that's also who I am. And mm. I'll straight up say, like, I think I need to work on things. Like, I'll, sometimes I'm like a child, you know, I'll act like a child. And, mm -hmm. and you mustn't, you mustn't do that. <laughs> you know, I, and I call out my own hypocrisy, too, and say, like, you know, I know, man, I know. Like, this is my struggle and I don't want it to be yours, you know? I'm, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm giving you the, here's the benefit of whatever, you know, I have, you know, the advantage of, of that, of knowing perspective. Do your kids like call you out on anything too? <laughs> Cause I know with my two kids, especially my son, I always tell Josh and Steve, my son will just call me out on like everything yeah, I'm doing, oh, yeah. either if I'm acting like a kid or not or anything. Or worse. Yes. Oh yeah, you know, man. Anything. Dad, you're, you know, your hair, what's going on with your hair? Dad, what's going on with, you know, I gotta lose some weight. Like, oh dude, you know, yeah. There's... right out. I'll be in the kitchen like, yeah. hey, you know, just. Right. Take it reminder, easy. So. Like, remember, yeah, exactly. here. <laughs> yeah. respect your elders. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they call me out all the time and, and that's part of it. I mean, that's just part of it. 
yeah, you kind of yeah. see the hypocrisy or or your ridiculousness sometimes. Like, you know, dad, why are you trying to look like that? Or what What are you trying to do here? You <laughs> yeah, know, what oh, totally. What do you, no, I mean, they're, they're too, a little too young, but my son is, he's giving it to me a little bit. And all right, that's cool. Because I'll also give it right back to him though, you know. <laughs> of course, on a nicer, in a nicer way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But he's funny because he's going through appearances. He's going through that, you know, trying to figure out his vibe, his what is his look, and sure. he wants a certain kind of shoes and certain oh, yeah. stuff, you know, and and so sometimes, and he'll overdo it, you know, as we all did when we were younger, just put it all yeah. on all at once, and like here I am, and it's great. And I'm sure he sees online, right? He sees like yes, oh, yes, this kid has it, Jordans and Yeezys. Ah, that's, and, you called oh, it. Like so much in your face, <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you Jordans called it. And Yeezys. Jordans. I tell Josh to see. I'm like, it's all there. Yeah, Josh doesn't get yet. it. I don't I'm get like, it yet, dude. Just uh, wait. It's, I see that with my kids at school, but that's you're gonna about see. It. It's a weird thing too because I kind of like I'm a little bit. I, I, he gets it from me. I'm kind of. I think I'm fashion inclined. I'm not a fashionable guy, but I do like it. I fall for it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. Like, so mm -hmm. I can't, it's hard for me to tell him. I'm like, those Jordans you want are like $2,000, man. Like, you know, <laughs> can't you pick a different color scheme? <laughs> and, exactly. And different colorway. Then he'll be like, all right, you know, and we got the $200 ones, which is still, man, what the yeah. hell? That's, that was mm -hmm. a lot for him. He was getting vans free or yeah. whatever, but it was his birthday. So we splurged. Exactly. Yeah. But because because the child in me, because I wanted him, because I probably, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, dude, he's going to look sick. And exactly, you know, it's so weird. You got to you got to mm -hmm. not do that. You got to let them be them mm -hmm. and just try not to get in the way, really, unless they're yeah. about to hurt themselves. In the last year, my son has got a perm. Ooh, that's like all the rage. Whoa, no yeah. way. OK, all the boys up here anyway, they have that curly, bushy hair. Sweet. Like, I love it. Yeah. And got his ears pierced. No way. Take him to the mall and yeah. Oh man. It'll happen in the last year so. That's crazy. I mean, I'm glad that my son's just kind of into clothes and like his hair a little bit, but mm -hmm. I don't know about the pierced ears, man. I, I would do, I might have to say like, <laughs> can we just wait a minute or something? I That's mean, I, I don't know. It's, no, it's, I, I caved in. <clears throat> I mean, but also yeah, and I did it when I was a kid. Man, I pierced my ears right. as soon as I could just because to be a punk. I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 So that's that thing. I got to stand back. Yeah, let that shit happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In that same vein, you know, music-wise, like what kind of music are they into? Are they into your uh, music? Like do you try to push anything? I mean. We but. come to this disappointing portion of our episode <laughs> because I knew this was coming. We got to uh -huh. we gotta get the music and the kids and all that together. But I am yeah. sad to say, or I'm ashamed slightly and sorry to say that I, I have let, I think, let you guys down because <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've let my kids down, but well, first of all, uh, I've not taught them any musical instruments. Okay. Let's mm -hmm. just get that right out in the open. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I listened to, since they were alive, I think I've listened to nothing but hip hop oh, and wow. rap. And, you know, so this sounds they're, like my they're, household. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. So Your in team. other words, my kids are just into rap, you know, hip hop. I mean, I don't, I say that just into, I say it because I mean, like I'm a kind of a rock guy or a, you know, not a hip hop guy. And, mm -hmm. and in fact, I made a living being not, you know, a rock guy or mm -hmm. something. So I, that's where I think I wonder, in fact, I told my son the other day, I'm like, 
I wonder if I've done you a disservice here. Like, I, I should be turning you on to all this great, cool music from what I liked, you know. And mm-hmm. and I've tried that a few times, but it just didn't feel right. It felt forced to me. And in fact, I'm more interested in what he likes, you know, and what. Mm. I mean, I should probably play more stuff around the house that's not rap. You know, we also don't really listen to a whole lot of music in the house, but. When we do, it is rap, actually, come to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but that's that's how it is. And, and you know, it's whatever you're listening to, they're going to be exposed to. And then later on down the line, they may come to, you know, pick something up and then you'll be there to help them. Yeah. If they're like, hey, you know, who is this Iggy Pop guy? Yeah. Like, and you'll be there. Well, I can't wait. Is, you know. I can't wait. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. You're right. And yeah, you're totally right, man. There's also with the hip hop stuff, you know, they could get into uh, jazz and soul and funk that way, too. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's all that other stuff. Exactly. It'll, yep. it'll lead them all kinds of places, I'm sure of it. And I've listened to it for years mm-hmm. now. I mean, not exclusively, of course, but majority is hip-hop. All that to say, it gets samey. It gets kind of old, you know. Yes. And I do crave, I do go back to, you know, I'll just put on Plastic Ono Band and just be like, yeah. fuck! Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> perfect. wow. Yes. I'll be moved in the same way again. But I guess mm. the newer stuff, it blew my mind because I had been listening to rap forever, you know. No. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. It's, it's, I think that's exactly right. I haven't listened to stuff I used to love as a kid in a long time. Then I turn, I'm like, I'm like, all oh, right, this is why I loved it. It's great music. And I, even though I haven't listened to it in like a decade or two, yeah. it's like this, it brings you right back to that moment of you're like, right. You know, and that's what's great about music in general is that you can always be learning about it and always come back to it, even if it's, yeah. you know, yeah. 30 or 50 years old. Exactly. And I, I mean, I'm just in a mood right now too. Like, I'm in, I'm 51 or something. I, I mean, I feel good. I feel great. But I'm craving, I'm craving intense shit again. But a certain brand of intense, or sure, I just love that hip hop, man. It's so unlike what I do. It's so crazy. Mm. They can say anything they want, and <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and right. they do, and then it becomes like dialect and it's it's just nuts it's a whole it's so great it's so rich man there's so much to learn about it people will probably think i'm insane maybe saying that because <laughs> most people in the world probably do listen to rap i don't know yeah but Definitely. anyhow are you talking about only like modern stuff yeah i guess i mean the, like, no i, I kind of just like the the newer stuff okay just i was curious yeah like i liked rap are you kendrick guy oh uh, yeah I'm gonna say I'm gonna say as of late I'm not so much, <laughs> but I don't know, man. He seems a little I don't know. Lately I haven't liked much of his stuff or hmm. his moves. Yeah, but I like Baby Keem a lot. Baby Keem, Baby okay. Keem. I think they're cousins or something because they rap together sometimes. Oh yeah, old rap. <laughs> I've been through phases of hip hop and. I loved that stuff then, but I can't go back to it. I don't know. It's weird. Like, I mean, I kind of can. Like, I could. Sure. There's some songs, you know, maybe Tribe Called Quest. Not every MC be with the negativity. We have a slew of rappers pushing positivity. Hip-hop will never die, yo. It's all about the rap. Or Mayor Barry smoking crack. Let's preach about that. The trash you talk won't matter. That old bogus chatter. The more that you condemn us, it only makes us better. When I talk, I know I'm talking for hip-hop. was all around. You know you love the sound. We get down. Or like Public Enemy. That's I like, yeah. But it doesn't. I don't know that new stuff. It's kind of like a whole new level. It is. It's other level. It's just well. And if your kids are into it too, it's like you're gonna. Yeah. 
listen to old stuff is going to be to them sounding old, whereas you want to be current with their their taste. Right. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be knowing what the cutting edge is. Like, yeah, you will too. So yeah. And and like my wife, she likes kind of likes '90s hip hop. I guess it would be or something. I don't, sure. I don't know. That's when I tuned out. So <laughs> she's got that in their ear a lot going on and they, and oh, cool. I don't know if they actually, I don't think they like it. I think they're just like, look, really? I think they mostly look at her like, okay, mom. But, <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry to say, no, I'm, I'm being funny. I'm not, I'm not sorry, but it's ironic, right? That I'm talking about hip hop on the dad rock show. <laughs> yeah. No, but I have to say it's not this. It actually makes me feel great that you said all that. Good. Because I am a, as Josh and Steve could tell you, I'm like a diehard rock and roller. I'm a drummer. I host a rock and roll radio show. I'm doing this podcast, which is basically all about rock and roll. Vinyl. I got music going in my man cave basement over here. Yeah. And similarly, my 14-year-old and 10-year-old have zero interest <laughs> in almost any of it. Really? And every once in a while I go, don't you want to... Ask me a question. Like I'm so yeah. ready to like dive I'm in. A, I'm a fountain of knowledge. Yeah. I'm holding these yeah. records. I, Do you I know how much rock knowledge I have? You can see <laughs> Jimi Hendrix here. Um, when they so were little, they got into, the only music they really got into was the Beatles, Queen. Yeah. And when they were like younger, like six, seven. Sure, the yeah. Queen movie came out. I think Did that you was say the, your daughter was into Bob Marley for a second too? Ooh. I gave her my old iPod and it had like a lot of reggae on it. And she did take to the, the ska and reggae stuff, but That's the Beatles, awesome. Queen, but yeah, my son's all hip hop. Isn't that funny? All it's the all good, hip-hop. all that really great music, that really transcendent music, Beatles, like you say, Beatles. Yeah. We always had Beatles on. Um, we, we took him to see Paul McCartney as his first concert. Yeah. It's undeniable that stuff. Kids just love it. Like yeah. immediately. doesn't matter. It's like, nope, that's good. Yeah. I like that. But it is a whole other world with the, this generation and a lot of what they listen to, like you're describing, especially oh, the hip hop. It's like a whole other genre than it is. 80s or 90s hip hop. So oh, it's so ex- it's so exciting too, man. Like it's for a guy for a you know I'm also kind of a studio nerd or geek or whatever. Like I love the way they make the tracks. Is mm-hmm. to me literally half of it. I mean, like it's it's got to be a great track too, you know, and as well as the rapper. But the tracks are just crazy, man. There's just so, sometimes they're so bizarre yeah. and minimalist, like nothing. It's so cool. So cool. Mm-hmm. Or it's a bunch of stuff. These big productions that are sound massive, just like sound like the end of the world type, like anthems, like huge. Yes. It's great. <laughs> I love it. It's just the most exciting genre of music, like pop music, I you know, I should say. Yeah. On our other episodes, uh, we've always asked our guests, you know, but their parents and did their parents influence them mm-hmm. in any way music? Did they have music playing in the house? Did you go against what your music, re- what your parents were listening to or did they get you into rock or how did it all play out? Yeah. That, my dad, well, my mom and dad were pretty young when they had, there was, you know, 18, 19 when they had me. So mm-hmm. they were still very much into music. I literally, I mean, my dad, tells me as a baby he would put me between the speakers and just blast you know <laughs> the stooges Rock 
Roxy Music or yeah, just perfect. He he had such great taste. Still does. I still look to him for. Man, he's it's crazy his taste in music, and it changes. It it's just just evolves. Like he doesn't like hip hop though. We can't see eye to eye on that. But he has always turned me on. I think people have asked me like, well, do you have music? You know, like talent in your family or something or other people play and I don't and I I think I've just always attributed my whatever it is that I do and why I do it to that my dad just him programming me as a baby I think and it was with music that I you know didn't really I don't I didn't end up playing but I think I just got the the virus, <laughs> I've got, I got the yeah. Thank you. The infrastructure, <laughs> some buzzwords mm-hmm. here for you. <laughs> no, yeah, like he laid that foundation, I think, for me. And I, I think I studied as a child. I studied that shit. Like Bowie, I mean, Diamond Dogs, like that record. As I think I was, I don't know, six, probably five, six, seven years old or something. Like just enthralled with that all the songs and the album cover and the cover the cover I just looked at for days and listened to We Are The Dead repeatedly like move the needle back and forth we're taking out because I thought it was really scary to me all music was like so I think I just felt it so intensely I, I was under a spell by it I was spellbound so growing up you know in Detroit and you mentioned the Stooges which obviously is like Detroit rock you know royalty or at least garage rock royalty hell for yeah. sure Detroit rock the best hell yeah actually Fun all house. rock all rock actually yeah yeah oh like, yeah just 100% <laughs> they should be recognized the world over they should for they that. should but was there other music in the city that really influenced you be it either and I, I know it's cliche to say but motown or was there a good you know punk rock scene you know in detroit or was the garage gods like kind of because they're right there was it was it you know helping you out to like all, connect to the music all and stuff? of the above you just you just listed it all i mean i think <laughs> motown is just pervasive like well especially growing up i i don't know about i mean there i don't know about now so much but growing up it seemed like every every radio station just every store played motown motown was just everywhere mm-hmm. or it was just in the fabric in the system you know Mm-hmm. So I think I couldn't help. I think I that had to have had an. I I can't really cite how and where or whatever. But I mean, well, maybe Garbage Day or something like. Uh, yeah, maybe that that there's a song Garbage Day that I have that I think is kind of Motowny, maybe. That, it, it might thank you it might it might you know that might be a manifestation of that but you mentioned oh the punk scene the, the hardcore the punk scene. scene in Detroit 
Yeah, that was huge. Like for me, I mean, <laughs> it actually wasn't a big scene, but it, but for me, that was a big deal in my life. Like hardcore music fucked me up, man. Just completely just just changed my world. And it was something that I, I needed so bad. It was the answer, man. It was, oh God. And that's when I started playing in bands. That's when I picked up a guitar and, and played, had these punk bands and started out. But also going to the shows, we ended up having shows. My friend mm -hmm. and I would put on awesome. shows. At, there's like a VFW couple of events. Yeah, the like VFW, that. exactly. I think there was a VFW once and we just found spaces and we'd have, you know, our favorite DC bands come through or whatever. We'd have nice. them play awesome. Scream or whoever it was, you know. Never Fugazi. Nice. It was, Oh. That was oh. pre-Fugazi. Yeah, Bad Brains come through or no? No, that would have been, geez, wow. Yeah. Mind blowing. And also they were too, like Fire Party, all the smaller bands starting out, okay. you know, or, or sure. on their way up. <laughs> you did post that one picture of you at a show and you said like Dave Grohl was playing drums for, was it Scream? Or was yeah, it, it was, it was Scream. And that was actually at a show in Windsor, same kind of deal. Our friend Otto, Otto, who uh, incidentally put out a great documentary on Detroit Hardcore, I believe it might be called Detroit Hardcore by Otto. Uh, I think his name is Bouge. Anyhow, that movie just kind of brought back all those memories. Scream in Windsor. I was so, I don't know, amazed by his hair because it was half dyed. Yeah. And then he, so he swung it like that, you know, in a circle, which is classic. I mean, I think that's, he did that all the time, right? And yeah. Nirvana, I think he did the same. And then after the show, hanging out in the back with their van, like by their van for hours after the gig just it was so fun the stall brothers i believe pete and mm -hmm. and then we traveled we actually my friend and i also went to dc made the pilgrimage to the discord house nice oh man yeah i always meant to go there oh dude it was like it was the coolest time in my life we actually stayed there like a week or something and we stayed at the what was kind of the rights of spring house like it was oh really yeah it was um gee mm -hmm. brendan lived there Wow. Anyhow, it was it was so um, fun. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a total geek for that, like DC stuff. Yes, like '80s stories and like learn. I was just listening to a podcast on the flight the other day, like a three hour thing about Yin and no Fugazi way, yeah. of Spring. Yeah, I was. I was like, that's a cool I, I story, isn't it? It's yeah, such a I cool. Yeah, I love reading books yeah. on it. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, all those those kids just the scene, just making the scene like so huge and everyone wanting to mm -hmm. come check out the scene there. And, you know, and these bands, mm -hmm. I mean, Minor Threat, like that's, that's who I first, that's the first hardcore music, what I heard, you know, uh, it was Minor awesome. Threat Filler. Dude, I heard that song and yeah, like I said, I just, just changed my life. That was huge, that, and, and I know it doesn't show up in my music, it doesn't, you know, I don't play punk music. Mm -hmm. Even the punk bands I played in, if you listen to them, they were pretty melodic, they were different. And right. then there was Garage, Garage Rock, yeah. That brought me back. I was kind of, I had ventured out to California and I was just trying to be important or trying to, I don't know, trying to prove shit and losing my way pretty much. And and, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until a visit home, like I think in 98 or 99 or something that I saw the White Stripes play, their first show, in fact. God, 
it reminded me of me. I mean, I, he had this naiveness, you know, that that I was that I was trying to like shed or or trying to quickly get over, you know, like. And so I realized I had it all wrong. I'm like, no, you don't want to know those chords. You don't need to know those chords, you know, <laughs> and you don't need mm -hmm. to prove anything to anybody. And what are you doing? Come home. So I moved back to Detroit and then that whole garage rock scene was so exciting, so fun. Shit, man, it was just a party every night. Just to go back a little bit, because, you know, I'm curious because I'm a big power pop guy. And I know that a lot of times with punk music, especially, there is that that element of melodic music in, in some of the, the less hardcore stuff. So, But what was the transition for you as, you know, a musician, as a songwriter, to go from a more, you know, a punk scene to the power pop sound that we hear on One Mississippi? Jason Faulkner. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Direct. I, I love I love him, yeah. Yeah, he, I love him too. I mean, and I loved him then when I met him, I... Oh yeah, I was like enamored with him. He was in Jellyfish. He was a rock star. Yeah. He was everything I wanted to be. And he wrote, he was just, he was so talented, is so talented. She Goes to Bed, his song, yeah. She Goes to Bed, is like an unappreciated classic. Yeah, he's totally underappreciated by pop, you know, because people who do appreciate, who know about him, of course, yeah. do appreciate him. And, and like he's in the industry, he's very, you know, in the music business or whatever, like he does a lot of studio work. He plays on yeah. lots of albums. He's a, people know about him, you know, he's, he's a big deal as he should be. He helped me with my demos, with my first, we called them demos, but really he, I mean, they were done on a four track. He kind of produced them and it got me, my career started. I think I tried to, from that point on, because Jason was really, he was really intelligent musically. I didn't understand what he was doing. <laughs> and so I felt like an imposter. I think I felt like, you know, shit, I, I don't know what the fuck a major seventh chord is or, <laughs> or how to, where to put it, you know, or how to yeah. do that. And so I was quickly trying to learn all that stuff and, and trying to prove that I was, you know, an artist, I guess. I sort of skim over that. That was years. That was a long time before I moved back home all through the 90s. Only one record, though. It's kind of... Yeah, man, that's that what I was going to ask. You know, because it was 96 when Mississippi came out, and then Lapalco came out in 2002, and, you know, that's yeah, a big gap. Right. And to, especially for a solo artist to, like, and then, you know, to go from having that one album, which is a great album, and then not really hitting, and then coming back with a, a sophomore album six years later that started to, you know, get you... The notice you deserve. Yeah, I think so. ironic, right? I think my sophomore, I never heard it put that way, but yeah, my sophomore record, and it was way late. You know, it was way, way late. Might as well have been my first record. I mean, you know, right. a lot of people had forgotten. There was a long time leading up, a couple years leading up to that record, the making of that record, everything that went into that. It was, this was my kind of journey in the power pop world, I guess we'll say. Mm -hmm. I still am always, of course, I'm in that world. I mean, I've been indoctrinated. Yeah. But I, you know, I also, I like to belong to the other worlds too, right? After that, 
the subsequent like failed tours and mm-hmm. and I say failed because I just I was young and dumb and scared and I was self sabotaging and I was all that and I had a great time too with those tours you know I got dropped it was a process the way I got dropped it was like mm. the label had changed you know people probably three or four times over. I arrived at this guy's doorstep. He inherited me as an artist. You know, he, we didn't mm. know each other. And so he had me out to kind of get to know me. He, he had me, I had moved home by that time, Detroit. And he had me out to California to visit him a couple of times, then to set up a, a residence. We rented a house and I brought all my gear out, my tape machine. And, and we're talking like a truckload, mm-hmm. like it was major. It was crazy, the amount of money, too, that this was costing them. This is Virgin Records. I mean, it was the 90s, so everyone was yes. getting a ton of money at the That's time. That's right, exactly, man. The money was flowing. He just had me out there for, I think, a couple months. I set up, and he because he wanted to be near me and watch me work and all that, And I think, because he's kind of a musician himself. If it was a slow death, and he rejected everything I was doing, which was essentially Lapalco, he was rejecting. Whoa. Like, he was saying, well, there's no chorus. He actually was saying all that shit. Like, I don't hear Damn. a hit. Then... It took time for me to recover because I was Mm. devastated. Even though I was a self-saboteur, I mean, I was in the back of my mind kind of half expecting something to happen. And they told me I was was poised and I was ready. So when it didn't, that that was a real, that was a bummer, man. Depressing. Got really depressed. And then, but I finished LaPalco in Detroit in my mansion that I bought for $15,000. (laughs) And, uh, you still own it? Or you, did you, no, did you sell I sold it? it. I wish no, I sold it, but I sold it kind of into in the family. So yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, and that brings us to the pal code. My life in the deep is a tragic comedy, a poetic verse. It's voodoo, some say, black magic at Tufay, a dead man's curse. So now that brings us to, again, I alluded in the intro to seeing you open for the White Stripes, Bowery Ballroom, New York City. I just heard of them and it was start of a whole new scene, the Strokes and them and, and you know, all that garage music. Great. Yeah. I definitely needed it. It was in me that I'd, I'd kind of get sucked into like the alt rock world in the, in the late nineties and all of a sudden yeah. you guys came out, you know, you, Jack, Strokes, I always I'm like, wow, this is what I needed. This is perfect. So seeing you at that show was definitely life-changing. And you mentioned going to see the White Stripes at their first show, which is also amazing. You know, how did you meet Jack and how how did that friendship start? Well, at that show, at the first show, I think it was Mm -hmm. at the Miami, I asked my friend, Dave Buick, who's like the Pope of Detroit, who's this guy? I wanna, you know, will you introduce me to that guy? So he introduced us and I mean, I, I like, I made a, beeline for that guy. I mean, I was just like, yeah. what's your deal? <laughs> what exactly. the hell? You're, I was going to say, he's doing, that show, did, did he have some, there's sort of something obviously different in like, a oh yeah, it was right from the, at that first show. from the get go. I mean, he like, it's, I mean, from the very first show, not much changed throughout the career, the span of the White Stripes. I mean, mm-hmm. not really, not much changed, man. Like he was 
falling down on his knees doing guitar solos like back then you know it was it was yeah, so yeah. crazy and then and doing like reciting lines from citizen kane or some shit or or, or i don't <laughs> yeah. know it was like weird ass shit but like undeniable man like like whoa this is powerful this is tough this is strong i just wanted to kind of, i wanted to record him actually i think mm. i that was more than anything i was cool. kind of i had a little studio and shit and that's what i did i said come on over and Check out my studio. Shit. And then we, yeah, we just started, we kind of developed a, somewhat of a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like just hanging out. And in Detroit, in the scene, I mean, there's only, you know, well, it was a big scene, but it was still felt like a family, a small family. But yeah, so we just were at all the shows together or, you know, mm-hmm. we would see each other at all the shows. And, and then we started playing shows together because I think he kind of, Dug my shit too. Like he kind of likes some of my songs, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and so we do. That's right. We'd go to the Garden Bowl and do these shows. I think we did a few of these shows, like where you know acoustic shows where we we'd both play. Or, and I think I did some of his songs, like covered his songs, and he, he and he and he would do mine. Or I don't know st- stuff like that. I can't remember exactly how it went down, but you know you get the drift. It was it was a fun time, man. It was and it was fertile, fertile ground. Like I was. I was feeling, I was inspired. I was feeling good and creative. And, and then, yeah, I, I mean, I think I made some more records or something. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm also not good with names of <laughs> uh, chronology or names of albums. We all love all those bands. Yeah. Me, Steve and Jack, like we love, you know, Detroit Cobras. Oh yeah. Bon Bondies. Yes. I played, I played Jason Stoltzheimer's wedding. I played his. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, he asked. Amazing. Yeah. It was I really love their cool. albums. It was cool. Me too, man. Oh dude. Like they don't get talked about enough. I feel like no, those, they need more love. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were tough, man. They, it came from Japan. That song. Song. Dude, that's one of my favorites. You know, you're talking about how you, you and Jack kind of had that friendship start in, in, you know, back in the early 2000s through the scene. Was, you know, you probably have mentioned this in other interviews and, and stuff, but how how early on was the idea of playing together and writing together, you know, discussed? Because in my mind, you know, you two complement each other so well songwriting-wise, and I think you make each other better. You guys sound mm-hmm. great together. Your guitar and vocals, you know, that, yep. that whole sound is just, is amazing to me. So what was the impetus for, you know, creating the, the Rack and Tours? I think it was just Steady As She Goes, that song. Wow. I had like, like a verse and a, I had kind of a verse and a little bit of a chorus or something. And Jack stopped by one day and I was working on that song. And I played it for him and he was like, he just grabbed the guitar and finished the chorus, put another B section in, finished the lyrics. And I was like, like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, yeah, holy shit. That, that was easy and fun and cool. And and I don't know. We were just stoked about the song, too. So we were like, let's get, you know, LJ and Patrick to come up from Cincinnati and the Greenhorns guys and, and play on this because they were, you know, the, our first, awesome. cho- first amazing, choice. Amazing yeah. rhythm section. Yeah. Amazing rhythm section. Like, incredible. So they came up. I, I guess it was just to, oh, record a record. It was what it was. I mean, we had just had Steady As She Goes, a demo. And then we were just going to write 
more songs. And that's what we did. Jack and I, we'd get together and write. Sometimes we'd split up and go into different rooms in my in my house. He'd write a verse, I'd write a verse. And then we'd come together and like either pick the best one or put them together or, you know, oh, that's a cool line or let's use them both or I don't know, you know, shit like that. It was cool. It was fun. I think we, you know, I think it worked because I think we just respected each other. I think like, I don't know, respect is like, I don't, it's not that I, it, like when I write with someone, I mean, you, there has to be something, I guess, you know, you have to have some mm-hmm. kind of rapport or something, a little bit of magic, something that happens yeah. to get something. Joe and I are both in bands, so we we know exactly okay. what you're talking about. It's like we you, you know who you fit with, who you know who you play well with, and if you're mm-hmm. a songwriting team, especially, it's like you know yeah. how you complement each other. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Like, yeah, if you were playing instruments, yeah, if you were like a drummer and a bass player, you know, sometimes you just don't jive. You just don't get like it's like I don't know, man. You're playing the kick drum too much. Like. Just chill out or whatever. And he's like, come on, man, get on the, you're not on the fucking beat, man. (laughs) You know, there's little things like that. I don't know. So whatever you want to call that, I always would say respect. It's not really respect. Maybe it's admiration, you know, just, Mm. you both kind of have to like each other's shit to be able to write together, I think. Because I've also written with strangers though. So, and sometimes that goes really well. Yeah. I don't know what that is. You just, that's. But I mean, you guys put out three great albums together and, you know, you can obviously sense, you know, all three of us have seen, you know, the Raconteurs live and the the energy you guys have and, and the synergy you have, you know, is is amazing. So we, it's you know, it's, it's, Thank you. it's like, I'm more upset that you guys, you know, took that, that long, like 10 year break. I, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. It's 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 a needed break. I'll just say that. And, yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure. I thank you I, for saying that about the raconteurs. I I I would agree. <laughs> I I feel kind of honored and privileged to be in that band. Like the level of musicianship and the level of dedication, and it's just it's like grown men playing, mm-hmm. doing their jobs. Like it's you just gotta step up. I like that. I like the challenge. The bar's set high, you know what I mean? Yep. I do think we do have that magic or that rapport or whatever it is, chemistry, that works. Like, that's like, everybody is kind of, work. we're all kind of working together on this this one. It's weird. You know, it's like, everyone's in their other bands. I'm solo. I don't give a shit about anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Jack's got one other person he's got to worry about. You know, I don't know. My point is, you know, I don't know. We just, we just, kind of really admire each other and want to, you know, be part of like, shit, oh, I want to play with you. No, I want to play yeah. with you, you know, that kind of thing. I so. saw you guys, I want to bring up, in London before Help a Stranger came out at the All Point East Music Fest 2019. So it's okay. about May of 2019. So you had a couple singles out. It was the first time I had ever been to London. Ooh. Yeah, and it was, I keep telling these guys, I, I can't stress enough the crowd amazing the crowd was oh yeah i told them to me so different it right? was like i i feel like i felt my i found my people 
Yeah. Like, they were into <laughs> right. every they- band. Like, I was like, this is where I should be. Like in America, mm. no one gives a shit about what I'm talking about. I'll you guys are- or something. Yeah. And you I guys- felt it. And then, you know, me and my buddy, Josh's cousin, who I'm in the band with, we're, it was just me and him. It was like a guy's trip. We needed it big time just alone. And we're like, all right, Tours and Strokes, like two of our favorite bands. <laughs> nice. And we were so ready and you could feel in the crowd. And I want to ask you, like, could you really like feel that energy? Oh yeah. Um, when you came on stage, everyone just went bonkers. Oh yeah. I have videos oh, yeah. from the crowd, people like moshing and stuff and to, like City As She Goes and other songs. And it was just so great. I mean, we're just so happy to see you guys on stage and <laughs> but I, but with the crowd. I mean, you can, can you feel like that difference between maybe American crowd and like a British crowd or, or other countries? Definitely, um, definitely yeah. con- country to country. And it, and it kind of follows a pattern, you know, it, I mean, some countries are just generally kind of more into music than other mm-hmm. country. And I, actually when I, yeah. th- when I say it now, when I think about it, I think, Amer- I think really just America is the, is the one that's just least <laughs> or, you know, yeah, least interested or You're probably and, right. And puts the least amount of imp- places, the least amount of importance on it. And yes. Mm-hmm. And, a, and you know, it's not a co- really a commodity also. It's just, and it, I mean, it, it's also not a commodity w- worldwide, but yeah. Uh, live, you know, ticket sales, merchandise, that's, that's a, that stuff is a commodity where in other countries, but more to what you're saying, like, yeah, mm-hmm. the energy, the, the fandom, whatever you would call that, the fanfare and the, and the loyalty, they'll always show up for you. They'll, <laughs> they'll be, you know, they'll keep coming back to your shows because they're fans for life. Usually, you know, unless you do mm-hmm. something, unless you make a really bad record or something, but <laughs> <laughs> they knew like every word, like I said, you only had, I think the yeah. two singles out maybe. Yeah. And they were singing along, like they were classics, Yeah, you know, 20 year old. I was like, I knew them, but I'm like, no one else I know, no, you know, like really. Yeah. No, and then this whole crowd was singing along. Like they were like, like said, yeah, she goes, but it was just a new single. I'm like, wow, these people really get it. These people are yeah. in it, you know? So it's, it's funny. It Cause great. you know, this, this show, I mean, this, like, yeah, what you're doing kind of really is more of a European thing. I don't want to belittle it, but mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little strange to happen in America almost. Like, you know what I mean? It would make more mm-hmm. sense to me. I'm having I'm a little trying to wrap my head around it myself. When when guys <laughs> in America are so into music, you know, it's a little bit like, really? Whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. If they're English, it's like, oh mate, you fucking legend, you know, whatever. You're just like <laughs> come to, you know. Yeah. I don't know. That's probably no, I hear we, you. I weird. Definitely. I, yeah, we, we, no, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another record that I absolutely love that I have is, and that you didn't play on, but produced is the Eric Burden and the Greenhorns EP. Oh, yeah. Um, so, phenomenal. like, Thank how you. did that happen? And what was it like working with uh, a rock legend in Eric Burden? Holy shit, dude. Indescribable. I mean, just one of those things where you kind of, you're kind of go in and out of consciousness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I bet I had to, yeah, it, it was how to not sound hyperbolic when talking about this. It was nuts. I mean, like this guy, you know, he's a legend, literally a legend. And I'm, I'm sitting on the floor pointing at the lyrics while he sings along and I'm pointing to them. So he'll phrase them the way I want them to be phrased. Like, that shit was like, whoa, dude, a little bit of a patting myself on the back or something, or uh, maybe a little arrogant, but 
I was kind of producing Eric Burden. That's pretty, pretty, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty incredible. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to take that one. choice of the greenhorns was mine. I mean, I just yeah. was like, mm-hmm. you know, it was ready-made release, correct? Or, yeah, it was yeah. it was a, it was a it was a Black Friday only like release, that's, I think, okay. I think and you know, it's vinyl only. So, yeah, that's right. So. so it was for my label. It was yeah, it was just a sort of a mm-hmm. pet pet thing to do, you know, or whatever. Cool. I mean, what a pet project. I mean, yeah. It worked and I wish there was a, you know, there was a full LP of that because yeah, me too. The, the energy of those four songs that was so is fun and in, intense. Yeah, dude, that was so fun, and it was actually their their the Greenhorns' idea to do that cover. Now your uh, your last album, Dear Life, uh, had some family oriented songs, um, specifically Richest Man, which I have to tell you was my favorite song of 2020. Oh, um, thanks. In, in addition to the, this podcast, I host a, a weekly uh, rock and roll radio show, also probably very European. Probably in Europe, but <laughs> I'm going to regret it's saying on, that. Uh, it's on um, WFMU, which is uh, a, a freeform station, but I play all rock and roll. And that was my most played song of the year. I just I ah, couldn't sweet. get enough Thanks, of it. Um, it's a great you song. Know, musically, yeah. it's so catchy. Well, and lyrics. You also get, yeah, you get it, don't you? I mean, I get it mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. I mean, having two kids and a wife yeah. and the whole thing and, and became a thing. Me and my wife would sing it in the car all the time. Yeah. And it kind of like bonded us together. Dude, um, you're the guy, when- you're the guy I wrote it for. <laughs> I mean, yes. no, honestly, I was thinking, I, cause I thought to myself, man, this, is this song, like, I think I even asked my wife or I asked somebody like, is this song, is this cheesy? Is this like cringy? What? <sighs> like, I don't know why the words came out and I like it. But I realized that I don't know how cool wife sounds even in a song, like the word wife (laughs) or unless it's like, you know, you know what I'm getting at here? Like it's just Mm -hmm. the the material was kind of like, man, do I want to do this? Do I want to? And then I thought of you and I'm like, dude, there's people out there, man. There's like, there's a whole demographic (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and yeah. And that's what I was like, sweet. I'm, I'm in an effort to kind of know my audience and to, you know, to be honest with myself about my audience. I can't be singing songs like, you know, I met her at the Burger King Mm -hmm. or whatever (laughs) anymore. (laughs) I mean, life is just taking some, you know, life is different now. And that shit, you know, maybe it's not, I don't know, lyrical or traditionally lyrical. I don't know, whatever the hell. But whatever, it's the new norm, you know. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna try to. I'm bringing, I'm bringing wifey back. <laughs> That's terrible, <laughs> awful. I think I'm just trying to be more candid and honest. Just like, that's what came out. So I'm saying that. Where in the past I would just, I would change those lyrics because they weren't, yeah. you know, they weren't cool or whatever. Mean. Yeah. But it works. It works perfectly. And and like you said, I'm I'm out there. Nice. Good. Me. 
Right. So, good. I'm glad. It I'm worked. Glad. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's interesting what you said earlier in the interview about how you were, you know, still, you still feel like you're childlike and the, the song Half a Boy, Half a Man is, mm, is exactly also, that. Yeah, exactly. And that seems very honest and, and open. And it's another great song on that album. Thank you. Yep. That's, that's the first one. That's the catalyst for making the album, mm. I guess. Like, and, and I tried to, I tried to keep it that way. I tried to keep it just honest because that's what I was excited about mostly about that song Half a Boy was the lyric and that I was I don't know yeah just kind of I don't know well I just felt that one whatever and so it kind of triggered another song and then another and then you know what I mean after after I should say after this is after having not written a song and you know maybe or not I should, <laughs> let me rephrase that I was co-writing for a long time. I was just doing a lot or pr and producing, working on other people's music essentially and not doing anything like of my own. So that Half a Boy, was the, that was the first song really that I wrote myself and just for myself and for fun and I recorded it for fun. And, and then in the end I was like, damn, that was fun. <laughs> like, I'll, you know, I'm gonna do that again. And I sort of, called up my publisher and I was like, hey, I want to change around my contract. I want to make a record. I want to make, I want to have an artist. I don't want to co-write anymore. Like, I don't want to do that, you know, because I was trying to, like, trying to co-write and make a living at doing that. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the weed talking. <laughs> I saw in an interview uh, from 2020 that you were going to be going out purely solo. And, I, and then I got an email actually recently saying that you were not, you know, going to do any dates yeah. this year. What's, uh, so what's on the docket, you know, for you coming up is, do you have plans for 2023 or even now, maybe a little later this year? Cause I'd love to see you. I, I think all of us would love to see you live. At, yeah. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to do that. I'd love to play live. I'd like to be seen. Um, but you know, <laughs> There's so many, I mean, the, there's so many restrictions and, and mandates and things that make it virtually, I mean, just kind of, you know, impossible, expensive. I mean, through the mm -hmm. roof, like you gotta, it's just too hard to do it. I mean, right now. And that's really a, a shame and hopefully that'll change. And I'm waiting, you know, I'm sort of waiting it out. You know, it's, I think it's hurting a lot of people, touring musicians, people yeah. can't afford to like cancel shows and, or, you know, have shows get canceled or, you know, quarantining in hotels or whatever the hell mm -hmm. it is you do or yeah. whatever that you have to do, or I don't know, man, you know, 
I mean, and but when you do get back, are you going to still do the you know purely solo thing? Or are you you know hope to have a band with you? Because I know well, that was you were talking about you know cost in, in this one interview. Yeah, and so I, I wasn't sure. I think at this point, I want to do. I want to just. I want to go. I would like to just come out. You know, go on a an acoustic tour, and mm. I don't know. You know how exciting that is for people, but it's. I mean, it's hard for, I can't really afford to do a band. I mean, I've, I, I don't know how I did it in the past, but it's just so, so hard to make any money. Like I've pay, mm. after paying these guys or, and putting them in a hotel, in hotels or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've always felt like, what's the word, maybe apprehensive about doing acoustic, an acoustic tour or official in calling it that even like officially acoustic tour or whatever. Mm. But um, just because, you know, maybe there's so much pressure, like to do something really amazing. I mean, that sounds totally lame to say, but, um, you know, it's tough, man. Like you and your acoustic guitar, I mean, for me, for some, for a lot of people is pretty, pretty terrifying. I mean, me yeah. uh, with, with my electric and a band, that's different. That's kind of like. That's kind of fantasy. It's great. You know, kind of mm -hmm. whatever, be anybody you want to be. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, you and an acoustic guitar is um, still for me pretty pretty scary to do. And so, I don't know, you know, to try then try, <laughs> then try to be, I don't know, like, you know, really super witty or, you know, a comedian or be compelling in some, you know, other way. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's the pressure, I guess, that I kind of shy away. I've always shied away from, but yeah. But screw it, man. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Screw it. I'm gonna do it. It would do definitely it. be something interesting, you know. I'm a I'm a yeah. big Ben Folds fan, and he when he did that in 2002, it kind of changed oh, his yeah. career around. And um, I know yeah, his his reasoning true. for doing that was definitely cost as well, but it turned out to be something amazing. So I, I say I, I look forward to seeing it. Cool. You know, basically, All right. In, All right. Thanks. Come, yeah, of course. One one ticket sold, maybe <laughs> two, <laughs> three. Probably. Can I get? Three. Can I? All right. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other, uh, you know, music in the can at all uh, that, you know, yeah, you look yeah. forward to? Actually, um, I do. I have, I think maybe what I'm going to call a mini LP. Uh, cool. And I, but also, you know, I say that and damn it, I shouldn't have because I'm not really sure what I want to do with this, this, this batch of music. Like, I guess, I guess what I mean is I'm not sure how I want to present it like mm -hmm. do I want you know like do I want to make another Brendan Benson record and say you know here's this new Brendan Benson record and then people will say well, okay great well when you come into play or when you're touring and you know I mean I, I feel like I can speak freely here at the on the dad's dad yeah, rock absolutely. show yes, all right please. well look I'm getting old that shit ain't fun anymore man that <laughs> shit ain't cool anymore like touring I got a family I want to be with them like you know sure. I'm yeah you know I'm, you know, I know it's, it's maybe not cool to say, but I don't care, man. It's just, it's tough. So I, so I want to tour. If I tour, I want it to be on, it's going to be on my terms and that might not be agreeable to, for everybody, but, but whatever. And, and maybe I won't even get to, you know, be able to really tour. Maybe it'll just be some stuff select shows in places where it makes sense and that kind of thing. Do residencies. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe something like that. I don't know. But anyhow, but, or do I want to just, you know, maybe instead of 
me put maybe these songs I sh- play them for other people. Maybe somebody else wants to do it. I don't know. Or maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, these are things I don't know. I, I want to explore my options. You know what I mean? Like I never have. Like I've never really done that before. Like mm-hmm. I've just like put out the record and then toured behind it and then I don't know. And then also there's the matter of a label. I got I got every record I've had to go find a label. You know, find someone to to put it out to actually make the records and put them out. And mm. so, it seems now that like with all the the streaming and there's a lot of you know people who crowdfund everything. You know, there's seems like there's a, yeah, there's a other options, of, right? Yeah. there's oh, or self release it maybe. Is it Bandcamp or something like that? That oh yeah, we, somebody, we we're big fans of Bandcamp. Really, we do, yeah. we're big fans of Bandcamp. Oh yeah. yeah, big time, definitely. I don't know much about it, and somebody said you should try to you should just put it out on Bandcamp. You know. Oh man, they have so much stuff sells yeah. out on Bandcamp. It's amazing. All these bands sell all their vinyl. We, we, me, all of us try to yeah. get singles. Vinyl. It's already sold yeah. out. Seven inches sold out. sell all out really quickly. Bands, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're doing Bandcamp Fridays, where it's like the first Friday of most months now because of the pandemic. They waive all their fees, so every dollar goes to mm. the goes artists directly. and stuff like that. Wow. But you know, it's it's definitely a great place yeah. to learn about. Bands. I've heard great things. Yeah, yeah, it's a great mm-hmm. spot. It is. I know Third Man has has a has a Bandcamp uh, store because I, I definitely bought. I think I bought the. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. The bro- I think I bought Broken Boy Soldiers off of. Oh, cool! Off yeah. of there, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, yeah. So. And then yeah, that's another thing. Third Man, I, I was gonna play them this new stuff. Actually, play it for them first, and you know, see if they might want to put it out. They may not even be able to, you know, or have time or whatever, not want to even. <laughs> but there's, it's being mixed at the at the moment, so I'm very excited about that. Like I have a couple tracks, in fact, right here on the computer that I, I'm staring at. I keep looking at the the wave nice. the waveforms, but um, <laughs> I'm really excited. So Michael Ilbert is mixing my songs, and I'm a, I think he's awesome. So I'm, I just can't wait to hear them. I mean, I've heard a couple, and they're amazing. So I, Sweet. just excited to get the rest. I'm thinking, trying to figure it out. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, whatever. Well, you got three guys here who are definitely waiting. Like, to, yeah, to fans will be around. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no matter what you want to do, it'll be it'll be it'll be well received. Cool. But yeah, cool. it's it's tough when you when you switch out of that tour mode for sure. Yeah, you know, like I don't know if I I don't know if I got it in me anymore. You know, and, and well, for the for what it's worth, you know, that's kind of the the bottom line. Unfortunately, it's kind of not affordable. And even for me, like, I wish I was touring, but um, yeah. just for working, I I just got a new job a month ago that requires travel. And I've been home the last year and a half working from home on, on a computer. I'm used to just being here every second. Oh, yeah, making right. Making lunch for the kids, yep. throwing in the laundry. You know, like, I'm just here. It's really hard to them. leave that, like, yeah, for it, long periods of time. I just came back last night from, like, a, just a couple of days, and I was like, it's nice to get away, but after a day, I'm like, I kind of missing everything. You know, yeah, right. I, it's weird being away. So I can't imagine being on like a long tour. I don't know how fun it is, but it's hard. It's that classic thing where you're like, I can't wait. I need a break from this. I can't wait to get away <laughs> yeah. from my kids, all this, whatever, this, the drudgery, the fucking whatever. And then the second you get, a, the second I get away, I'm like, oh no, let's go back. Let's go home. Let's, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I want to go home. <laughs> Unless it's seeing you at all points east. That was, that was a different, that I'll always be down for that. Yeah. There's, there's certain trip, exceptions, isn't there? Tours, I'm there. Okay, yes. 
it could be for as long as it takes. But we end every episode, we discuss what we're listening to and we like to ask our guests uh, what they're into. So I know you're into a lot of hip hop, but any particular artists or songs? Oh, um, okay. I'll say for the dads out there, Kanye's Donda. That record, I think, is like I love it. First of all, it's really, it's really powerful, but it, it's also kind of, I think, maybe a gateway. For, you know, if you're not into hip hop or if you don't really, if you think you're not into rap or whatever, check it out anyhow. Maybe. Did you watch his that documentary? No, everyone's telling me I got a thing it's about really that good. shit. I got a weird thing about biographies or something. I don't know. Like, mm, okay. I, I just, I don't, I get, it's like, cause I think, I think I build up an image in my mind about Kanye. You know, my image is based on his music mostly. I mean, I, yeah. unfortunately I stumble across him on social media. I'm not really a, you know, a fan of, of that, but yeah, when I see these documentaries, I guess it's maybe it just spoils that kind of mystique, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause people are like, you got to see it, dude, you got to see it. And I'm like, it's, I know. And then even the Beatles thing, the Beatles. And I was all for seeing the get back. There. I was just like, can't wait for the Beatles get back to come out. Like, it's going to look amazing. It's going to be so cool. I haven't watched it. Oh, It was amazing. And everyone's you, like, why haven't you, you watched it? Oh. Why haven't you watched it? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, oh. I don't know. <laughs> you love it. I mean, the one, studio. Sp- I'm not going to lie. One yeah. part is like figuring out the amazing. technology. Like, I'm not sure if I have what it takes to oh, watch Disney it. Plus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's Disney Plus, yeah. man, I don't want no part of that either. Right, right, exactly. I like um I like a lot of Memphis rap actually. I like Key mm-hmm. Glock. Yo. Like um, Fujiano, uh, Pusha T, Young Dolph, who was recently murdered, in fact, mm. and all the DJs too, man. All those guys in Memphis, all the track producers and track makers, beat makers, everything that goes into it, man. That scene to me is like Detroit garage rock scene right now. Like, there's so many people I'm spacing right now, but um, it's just really exciting. I mean, it's also you know, I mentioned Young Dolph being murdered. It's also pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty hard. But, uh, yeah, and that's another reason I like it so much is it's real shit, man. These people are mm-hmm. like, you know, when they talk about this shit, it's, it's not like, it's no joke. It's not a artistic liberty, <laughs> you know, creative yeah. freedom. It's like, no, that's that's real drama. That's like, I like it for that reason. I like the drama, too. You know, and that's not a world I come from, live in, or anything, you know. And so it's a glimpse into another world. I like that. 
Yeah. I, I've always liked that. My, my son likes a uh, Juice World. I don't know if you're. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's a little too intense for me. Like it's a little like too it's intense. You know, he showed me sing, some songs. Melod- the melodies that sometimes rub me wrong too. Like, but yeah, no, that's cool. But the I lyrics think- are real, and it almost reminds me of like a. It's like their generations, like. Kurt Cobain-ish. Yeah. You know, well, they're a lot of like times positive. Talking about his struggles and stuff. Yeah. And pills and things. So if you are into Kanye style production, I recently heard, and I didn't give him a chance until recently and I kind of regret it, but JPEG Mafia, if you've ever heard his hip hop, he's a producer who also raps, but he raps really well. And oh, okay. the production levels and the layers and everything yes. that like Kanye yeah. is known for, he, he does like a similar thing. Check him out. Okay, JPEG Mafia. I think I've heard JPEG that. JPEG Mafia. Yeah, I've heard that bef- that name before. Okay, sweet. Because, yeah, that, you nailed it. And I also love um, Young Stoner Life, mm. Young Thug, which which I think is pretty avant-garde, you know, just like really out there, wacky, mm. weird. And But they do it well. They do, like some, I don't know, Some sometimes people are getting kind of too weird. <laughs> but I don't know who, I'm no aficionado. I don't know, shit. <laughs> I just like what I like, whatever. Exactly. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for coming on to the show. This was an amazing conversation. We had so much fun talking to you. <laughs> this is awesome. Man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode and a very special thanks to Brendan Benson for coming on to the show. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Benson songs on Instagram at Brendan Benson music or on Facebook by searching up his name. You can also follow the rack and tours on Instagram at the rack and tours and on Facebook. If you aren't already familiar with his music, whether solo or with the rack and tours, we cannot stress enough that you should go and check out his music. It's great stuff. Whether this is your first time listening or your 20th time listening and you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love it if you can give us a review on whichever podcasting platform you use. Please feel free to subscribe. And if you haven't already, tell your friends about the show. We'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Dad Rocks Pod, as well as on Facebook. Just search up Dad Rocks with an exclamation point at the end. If you have any questions, comments, or any show ideas for us, or just want to give us a shout, you can always message us on those social media outlets or email us at dadrockspod at gmail.com. If you want to check out the music you heard in this episode in full, we have a playlist which should be linked in the podcast description. Thanks again for listening today, and remember, dads, you rock. You rock.